We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. In 1939, a young German man who had completed his PhD by the time he was 21 years old and who was a pastor, who was a world traveler. He had been to England and Switzerland. He'd also found meaningful work and ministry in Harlem. He returned to Germany and he wrote a book called Life Together. He didn't realize the importance of this work, this book, until in 1944 he found himself imprisoned in Nazi Germany being accused of attempting to assassinate Adolf Hitler. But as he found himself there in a prison camp by himself, Dietrich Bonhoeffer began to experience community in a very new way. He ministered to his fellow prisoners until 1945, when he was moved to a new camp. And they felt like they were about to be freed. They felt like the allies were coming and it would only be a matter of time for him and this very small group of prisoners still left. On a Sunday in 1945, he stood up and was asked to preach to this small group. And he shared a message. At the close of his message, they heard footsteps coming and it was the Gestapo. And as Dietrich Bonhoeffer was about to be led away, he turned to his friend and he said, friend, can you get a message to George Bell? And I said, yes, of course, Dietrich. And Dietrich said, tell him that I believe in the universal Christian brotherhood that rises above any nation and there will be victory. And as he bid him farewell, he said, this is the end. But for me, it's the beginning of life. My name is Emma Adams, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Hope Church. This morning, we're going to talk about life together. And the power of community has never been more evidence for us in our time than the past 18 months across the world. We have never seen more power and we've never seen more disunity and division has produced a darkness that would even threaten to quelch any love that would arise. Political strife, financial failure, racial injustice, the cancel culture, medical crisis all work to isolate and divide us over the past two years. Each of us has had to make many, many choices and opportunities, and we could have disengaged or divided, or given in to fear. And many of us, however, made a choice like Bonhoeffer to choose life together. Instead of allowing the enemy to divide and conquer us, we chose to come together and the church became a place for refuge for people. The church worked to bring people together through Facebook live streams. 
As a pastor, I'm privileged to walk with so many pastors, and we have large, large groups of us on Facebook. And we would come together on these Facebook groups and there would be message after message of, okay, this is what our church is doing to meet the needs in our community. We're going to do a food drive. We're going to do this. And another pastor would chime in, how do we do that? How can we do that together? Um, how can we get these kids who don't have a place to learn and be educated? They can come in and use our building. Okay, okay, we're going to pull all the retired teachers from our church church and teach them how to do this. And I watch pastors and church leaders across the world become so creative in creating a new community where people's needs were met and life was formed and love was felt, whether it was through Zoom or Bible studies online. Can I get an amen? Women of Hope who we joined together through Zoom and sat behind our computers and prayed with one another and met together. When they closed our Starbucks, we cried a little <laughs> and we met anyway. Unity is the key to thriving in circumstances such as those we faced in the past two years. And there was a time in my life, for me, when I experienced a deep sense of loss and isolation in my life. Alfie and I had left our lives um, behind to be part of an organization we thought would help us grow in our relationship with God. We sold our belongings and packed what little we chose to take with us and moved across the country to be a part. We didn't know that the organization was unhealthy and would cause us to break relationships with everyone, including our families, who very rarely heard from us. Over time, spiritually and mentally, we began to be manipulated so that we were dependent upon its leaders instead of on God or on anyone else. When we finally became aware of how dark the situation was, two years later, we had to flee in a hurry and it left us in a city, homeless, without friends, and no family nearby to help. I can tell you that I've never ever felt more abandoned and alone and afraid than in the six months that followed our leaving. We've all experienced times in our lives when we felt the pain of being alone whether you stepped out of a relationship that you knew was abusive or whether it's feeling unheard and unknown as you grew up in a house or whether you were bullied at school, we've all felt it. Some of us experienced isolation with long hospital stays and some of our brothers and sisters experience it in prison. Many of us have felt the pang of what it feels like to feel alone even when we're surrounded by people because our mental health is causing us to feel it. Maybe for you, it could have been the divorce. Maybe for you, it was when your friend betrayed you. You thought she had your back. You thought he was your homie for life. <laughs> But no, and disunity is a fracture that if left untended will result in infection and eventually death. We see it in limbs of the body, right? If it doesn't function, it's not getting blood, right? Last week we talked about the value of hiding God's word in our hearts. And we said that doing so provided us with a map and a sword 
and a wise guide for our lives. So whether or not you follow Christ, this morning I want to share six principles with you that are going to help you live in unity. Now, if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision about Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you felt comfortable and we want you to come every week no matter what you believe. If you're online and you're listening and you haven't made a decision about Jesus, thank you. These six principles I'm going to share are going to help you whether you're a Jesus follower or not. But for those of us who do claim to be Jesus followers, these principles that I'm going to teach you are not just principles or suggestions, but they're imperatives. These are how we should order our lives so that we can be the most effective in growing in unity. Our need for unity with other people is important for us for, as a society and as individuals like our physical and our mental and our emotional health is all impacted by our community and our society. It's all linked together. Our spiritual health is impacted by whether or not we have the community that's healthy around us. And our longing for real love and real connection goes all the way back to how the human race was created in the first place. We were created to be united. God intended that we experience his love both directly from him and through the others we relate with in a healthy way. And the church in Coloss was full of new believers. As a matter of fact, Paul himself had never visited them, but rather he'd heard about them through another minister who was there. He'd heard about their faith, but he also heard about this other group that was coming in and sowing discord among them. People were infiltrating the Christian ranks and sowing disunity in this new Christian church. And so in the letter of Colossians, um, we have outlined six principles that I'm going to share with you this morning. He wanted to demonstrate to the Colossians what living in unity would look like. And these principles are so good, they can be applied anywhere and with everyone. So first we're going to read Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The first principle I want you to write down today is live in the light of eternity. Live in the light of eternity. Living in the light of eternity means that we prioritize our life because we accept the reality that time on this earth is finite. 10 out of 10 people die. That's a good statistic. It's a solid one. And this life, as we live it in this body, is not going to last. If we allow it, we can live in a way that leaves a legacy of love. If we allow this reality, it can shape us and help us to choose to live in an eternal community with other Christians, and we call that heaven. If we allow living in the light of eternity. 
So if you're not a Jesus follower today, I would love to invite you to be one, but if you're not, you can still live remembering that it's going to be over. So what legacy do you want to leave? It's a good question. This question shaped um, Alfie and I's life. We asked, what legacy do I want to leave? This reality changed Alfie so much that he began to go on a journey and become probably the kindest, most wonderful husband and father ever. He said to me one time, I said, I've noticed a change in you. What's happened? And he said, I, I realized that I wanted to leave a better legacy for my kids and for you. I realized that when it's my time, I want you guys to say that I left a legacy of love. And he is doing that. If you're a Jesus follower this morning, hearts and minds um, on things above. If you'll remember last week, we talked about being renewed in our minds. And we talked about um, what that entails. Our hearts and our minds are to be focused on Christ Jesus in order for us to create the unity that's going to have eternal value. You have to live in the light of eternity and participate in God's glory. We get to look forward to as Christians for an eternity of unity with no more division and no more political strife. And nobody will need to get a vaccine <laughs> or wear a mask. Nobody will even fight about it, guys. I'm all for this. Let's go. There will be a feast. And the presence of God will never, ever, ever be taken away from us or diminished by our sin anymore. And that unity will be enjoyed by all of us who have said yes to Jesus forever. When you live in the light of that, it makes your time with others who are not followers of Jesus more urgent too, doesn't it? When I look at my family and I look at my friends, I think, man, I don't want to miss them. I want them to be with me. I want them sitting across from me at the table. I want them to toss an apple my way. I want to share with them, with Jesus, and laugh and tell jokes and have good times. Live in the light of eternity. Colossians 3, 5, 11 continues, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in the ways in which you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. This is probably one of my favorite parts. He goes on to say, do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image, in the image of its creator here. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, 
barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The equity of Christ is powerful. The second principle I want you to get this morning is that you need to live with a growth mindset. A growth mindset is simply this. It's a way of thinking in which you believe that your skills and abilities can constantly be improved. In the Christian world, we call it sanctification. It means that we're ever becoming closer and closer to Jesus Christ. I love how John Wesley described it. He said, you find yourself so full of love that there is no longer any room for sin. Each day we grow more and more in our love for God and for one another. And this is a growth mindset. A fixed mindset, on the other hand, says that your abilities cannot be changed. So many times in culture and in society, um, we can put something on somebody else and think, oh, they're never going to change. That's just the way they are. How many of you have had somebody say to you, no, that's just the way that you are. Well, that's just who you are. That's just how you were born. That's just how your family was. Well, your dad was like that. Your mom was like that. So that's how you're going to be. Uh, your grandfather was that way too. And he did this or they did that. And that's just who you are. Well, you were born poor, so you'll never get out of poverty. You were born with mental health issues, so that's just the way it's ever going to be. What a horrible, horrible way to live and to look at yourself or to look at others. Live with a growth mindset. Know that God has created your brain in such a way that you can grow in knowledge and in wisdom of all things, including of your spiritual lives. I want you to embrace believing this morning that you can grow and change. You are not stuck in your circumstances. Being unified in a community, though, means that you have to grow and mature as a person. You have to. It is for the benefit of the community. And listen, can we all agree on some things this morning? Community is just better if there's no sexual immorality. Because when there is no sexual immorality, people can trust each other and real love can flourish. When there is no impurity, people don't use and abuse one another and real love can flourish. When there is no lust in a community, people aren't looking at each other in a way that isn't honoring and real love builds meaningful relationships. When evil desires don't exist in a community, people can feel free to express themselves however God has made them to express themselves without fear. And real love begins to build deep connections that carry us. When greed doesn't exist in a community, people are free to be generous and caring and give of themselves and give of their time and give of their property and give of everything they have for the needs of others. This passage says that greed is idolatry because anything you put before God is idolatry and the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, the Bible says. But when there isn't greed, there's generosity and a real sharing of things and trust is built 
when lies don't exist. People are free to believe the best about one another when nobody lies. Because I can trust you and you can trust me and take me at my word. And I can trust you and take you at your word. And real love builds trust. This is true whether you follow God or not. We can all agree that whether you're a Jesus follower or not, these issues in a community are going to cause real problems. And growth can only happen as we allow God's word to inform and transform our lives while we live in community with one another. God's wrath will put an end to disobedience that causes pain, and that's good news. Disobedience to these principles causes pain not only in your life but in the lives of those around you, and it breaks the community. And God's never wanted that for his people. But God is just. His desire is for our good and for people to dwell in the same unity that he dwells in in the Trinity. Equal. Living in Christ means that we're no longer marked by our old self, which was caught up in all of this distorted sexual longings, jealousy and greed and anger and contempt and all the vices that replaced God in our lives. Rather, it means we're putting on our new selves. You get a new skin on you. And it means that you're transformed by Christ to shine and you're no longer bound by all of the labels and the cultural belief systems. You're free in Christ who binds us all together in unity to love. Christians go further though. Christians, we're told to get rid of anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language and lies. Because we get a new version. In favor of the old, we get something better. We get something better. Listen, it would look really, really stupid if you're wearing uh, tattered up, disgusting, uh, like long johns and busted tennies and it smells bad and you haven't showered and your shirt is all ripped up and you tried to put on a tuxedo. You're still going to smell bad. You're still going to be tattered underneath the tuxedo. You have to take off the old self and let it drop to the floor. You got to jump in the shower we call baptism, right? And you put on the new self that is ready and able to walk renewed in the image of God, which gives us equity. In Christ, you are equal. Paul was telling the Colossians, hey, listen, stop going around and calling people barbar. They actually made fun of people because they couldn't speak proper Greek, so they would say barbar. So they called them, oh, those barbarians. But Paul said, no, no, no. Don't call people that anymore. And don't call them Scythians. And don't call them slaves. We're free in Christ. There cannot be unity without equity. It's one of my favorite things about the Wesleyan Church is the equity that exists in the leadership of our church. I have never been made to feel diminished in my role. I've always been encouraged and empowered and equipped to lead as God has called me to, and I'm so grateful for it.
and you are free too. Every one of you in Christ. Colossians 3, 12 through 14 goes on to say, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. The thread of our existence should be love. So the third principle is live a life of love. Live a life of love. The characteristics that foster unity are clear. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness are all catalysts for love. When you inject a home with a more patient parent, you have a more peaceful home. It's more unified. When kids are free from the fear of the hammer dropping, there's so much more unity and freedom. In your workplace, when you show kindness to that one daggone coworker that drives you nuts, right? There's always that one guy, right? But when you're kind, it fosters love in your relationship. It might take time, but it works in the end. In fact, Paul tells us that love is the tuxedo. Love is the tuxedo and all of these underpinnings of the very best clothes that we can wear, compassion and kindness and patience and forgiveness are like putting on the best underpinnings for the best attire, which is love. And these are going to build the most beautiful and most attractive community. People don't want to be involved in something that's all divisive and political and crazy and grumpy and people are saying such and such on Facebook to each other. Nobody wants that. I don't want that. Forget about it. I want a place where I come in in the morning and I hear, hey, Emma, what's up? I'm like, what's up? Let's make some coffee. And they're like, yeah. Right? That's what I do when I get here, by the way, is, is I get the privilege of making coffee for all our partners. And I love it. I love it. Because it's my way to show love. And my favorite thing about the community that we've built here and are continuing to build is that when one of us falls down, another one picks us up. This weekend, I completely lost my glasses at the women's retreat. Completely. I mean, tore my camper apart, could not find them, blind as a bat. But when our friend came and said, you just need a fresh shot of eyes. I'm coming over anyway. And I was like, no, I don't want anybody else here. I'm so frustrated and embarrassed and angry. I just, oh, how stupid of me. How could I do this? And she walks in the door and literally goes, oh, there they are. They're tucked in this blanket. I was like, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for not listening to my objections and helping me in community. It builds such an attractive community. And as believers, we're called to the imperative of putting on our new selves. We have to leave what held us back in sin 
and let it go and be baptized into Christ, dead to sin, yes, but also raised to life in a new way of living. Free, free. It's a life characterized by sacrifice. We sacrifice one for another. It's not me first, me, mine. This is what I need. Don't you see what I need? It's about please, after you. One of our leaders was sharing this morning that she was sought out for a task and she was sought out because they needed somebody with a Chick-fil-A mindset. I love that. They needed somebody that was, it's my pleasure. Absolutely, totally, so happy to help. So impactful. I want to read to you this amazing quote by N.T. Wright. He starts by saying, The genuinely human existence which Paul commit cannot be reached except through the belief in forgiving love of God. Nor can it be reached in isolation. Individualism, rightly prized by many Christians as a guard against the dangerous idea that membership in a church uh, makes individual belief and conduct a matter of secondary importance, could easily be twisted in the equally dangerous notion that membership in the church itself is of comparative insignificance. This is the part that gets me. God intends Christian behavior to be reinforced and upheld by friendship and company and teaching, counseling, and living criticism of other Christians. Not to appreciate this is to lapse into the arrogant independence of one's fellow human beings, worse, one's fellow Christians, which is a sign not of the new life, but of the old. If I lapse into an arrogant independence of our church, of our team, of my pastors who are over me in the Lord, of our district superintendent, then I am at risk of stepping into a life of sin that has hurt thousands of people when Christian leaders think that they don't need anybody else. The fourth principle comes to us in just one verse. In Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. This is a real easy principle to get. Real easy. Principle number four is live a life of peace and gratitude. Live a life of peace and gratitude. Peace, because it's hard to find right now for many of us, right? But Jesus told us, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, happy are you when you go around seeking to be a peacemaker, when you step into your home after being at work all day and you walk in in a tirade throwing stuff and, oh my gosh, I'm so sick of these kids. You are not being a peacemaker. But think about it. When you walk in and you choose, okay, my day was rough, but I'm going to walk in here and I'm going to be a peacemaker. And you're like, hey, how can I help? Hey, how can I help? And they're like, oh, thank God you're here. These people are eating all of our food and throwing stuff everywhere. Help, right? When you're a peacemaker at work and you have two uh, coworkers who are in a disagreement and you go and you say, hey, let's go to lunch. 
Let's talk. Let's hang out. You become a peacemaker. And let me tell you how much better life is when you are searching and creating peace. You avoid petty fights. And you shut your mouth when you need to. And for me, that is very hard. Very hard. You foster a gracious attitude even when you bump up against the edges of life. Gratitude is thankfulness in an attitude. Gratitude is thankfulness in an attitude. You look for things that are good, for things that are praiseworthy, for things that are excellent, for things that are honorable, and you give thanks to people and to God for these things. You say, thank you so much for being coffee person. Thank you so much, right? At McDonald's, even when they mess up your order for the fifth time in a row, you say, man, thank you so much for making that right for me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You stop in your day and you say, God, thank you so much for allowing me to have this meal Thank you so much for this job, even when Steve is being a complete crazy person and I just don't know what to do, but thank you. Thank you. Even the hard, bad, challenging experiences are turned into a blessing with gratitude. The fifth principle we get from the next verse, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. This is a test. You guys know you were supposed to have this tattooed on you last week. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, with songs, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We are supposed to sing to each other. That's why we come in here and sing these songs. It's a reminder to one another. I love Kylie. When she comes um, to the office, I love her because she sings all the time. There is not a time when Kylie is not singing. She is always worshiping. She is always singing. You can walk around. She's washing coffee pots or she's, you know, putting uh, all of our stuff in the cart and getting ready for Sunday. And she's always singing. She sings songs from the Spirit and it builds up our community. So the fifth principle is live life in community. Live life in community. Spend your time with other people. Listen, introverts got to introvert. I get it. But you can't live like that all the time. You have to be in community. You have to be. Not only those who are like you, not only those people who look like you, sound like you, talk like you, like the same music you do. Those people are important, don't get me wrong. But if that's all you're surrounding yourself with, you don't have somebody who opposes your views or will say something hard to you, then you're not living in community. We are making each other better every day. Go to book clubs. Go to the library. Go to the gym. Go to Starbucks. Do something. Go out and meet people. Invite people to a meal or coffee, but be in community with one another. Make new friends, kids. 
And one of my favorite TikTokers is a preschool teacher. And she, she goes and reframes all of the public service announcements, like the government helped us. She goes, okay, friends, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to wear a mask. And it cracks me up, but it's so true. This is what we're going to do, friends. We're going to make new friends. Because friendship and new friends make your life richer and deeper and more meaningful. And when you die, you cannot take all the stuff with you, but you will be able to have your memories and the people that you cherish. Growing in maturity is not meant to be done alone. As a matter of fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. Help must come from the outside. And it has come and comes daily and anew in the word of Jesus Christ bringing redemption, righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. But God put his word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of a man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother, man. As a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation, he needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is sure. We need one another. Colossians 3.17 gives us our final principle. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. The sixth principle is live in Jesus. Through community, we teach and encourage and worship and sing. And we grow toward maturity together so that in all things, not just our church life, we do them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't, don't disrespect Steve even when he disrespects us because we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have that... Um, it's my pleasure attitude because we need somebody to make us feel good, but we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't serve as a soccer coach because we want to feel good and make kids feel good, but we do it in the name of Jesus Christ, and it also makes kids feel good and learn some really valuable skills. We don't make our kids all of the snacks and all of the stuff and do all the school stuff. We can't do it in the love that is meant, if we don't do it in the name of Christ. We do all things in word and deed, what we say and what we do, and all of it we must do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Living in Jesus means that your words reflect his words. Your deeds reflect his deeds. You give water to the thirsty and food to the hungry. You visit the imprisoned or hospitalized. You do it all. It's the compassionate smile that you give the mom who is straight up struggling in Walmart because her kid is throwing the most royal three-year-old temper tantrum ever. It's that, man, you know, 
I got you, sis. I got you, dad. I know that you're struggling right now. You give them a little, I got you. I know what's going through. Or it's in, in the opening of a door for a man who just totally looks distraught. It's the snacks at the hospital that you give the staff. It's love, real love in the name of Jesus Christ. This series has been all about helping you know God's word so that you can dwell with him and he with you so that you can achieve unity. So whether or not you follow Jesus, apply these principles and you will help grow in unity and create a community that will transform Delmarva. I absolutely believe it. But if you do follow Jesus, these principles are imperatives and you have to follow. You have to follow them. Put away these things. We need to build a habit of studying God's word for ourselves. And often the best way to build habits is to do it together. I was talking with one of my friends and we were making plans to go on walks and go to the gym and do things that build healthy habits together. And the encouragement and knowledge and accountability of fellow believers can make all the difference in your life. So we want to give you some op opportunities and practical ways to build unity going forward. Here's your practical ways. Number one, download the Dwell app. For Pete's sake, we're going to keep using this thing. Might as well download it. Get it downloaded onto your phone and begin to listen to the Word of God and let it transform you. You're going to have a playlist that's going to go live next week to follow our brand new series called Enough is Enough, and you'll be able to listen to the passages of Scripture that I'm going to be teaching through. And it will help you to really get God's word inside of you and transform you. The second thing I want you to practically do to live in unity is to come to Hope Church weekly. I get it, things happen. But when you make the sacrifice and come and bring your family, you begin to build a community that's valuable. Come weekly. The second thing I want you to do is sign up for groups. Starting in January, we'll have a regular schedule with brand new groups for now, we have two groups, Men of Hope and Women of Hope. You are welcome to sign up online for these. You simply go to the website, follow the link to Next Steps, and then to groups, and sign up for Women of Hope and Men of Hope, and you'll get an email. You'll get added to a Facebook group if you want that avenue. In the next couple of weeks, Women of Hope, we're going to be meeting up. I'm super excited to hang out with all of my ladies. Make sure you sign up. So we meet up through November and December, and then January we'll be launching a brand new series of groups. Make sure you get tapped into community. So maybe for you, you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. Maybe you're listening uh, through the podcast, or maybe you're here with us um, this morning, and you haven't said yes to Jesus. And this morning, maybe something spoke to you in your spirit. I want to invite you to say yes. Don't wait. Say yes to Jesus this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me. You don't have to pray this just the way it is. It's not a magic spell or anything weird like that. It's just a prayer. It's just a prayer. It's going to connect you to Jesus Christ. And he's going to give you a new self and help you take off that old self. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? I just want you to focus on yourself for a minute. Where are you at with Jesus? Have you said yes? If you haven't said yes, pray this with me. Jesus, I say yes. I want to know you, and I want to live in a community like Emma described. I want real love, 
and real connection. Would you help me? I say yes to you. If that's you this morning, I want to know that you prayed that. Would you just slip your hand up? Thank you so much. I'm so excited to welcome you in. If you prayed that, I want to give you an opportunity to connect directly with us. You can do that by texting yes, or that's me, to 94,000. If you said yes, text that's me to 94,000. Or you can simply take out your phone and snap that QR code on the screen. They're going to leave it up for you for just a minute. You can snap that QR code, and you're going to get a text from us. We will not hound you. But we want to just say, hey, we're so glad that you said yes to Jesus. We want to start a connection with you. If at any time you don't want to get texts anymore, cool, cool. Just say I'm out. We won't text you anymore. We just want to know you said yes today and hopefully connect with you and help you build that relationship with Jesus and help you connect to the community here. Maybe for you today, you're like, man, I am trying to find a community and I want to but I've walked away from my relationship with God. I just haven't been able to connect. Like, it's weird. I just don't feel connected to God anymore. I said yes at one point, but things are weird. I want to give you an opportunity to tell God I'm back. I want you, if in your heart you're like, man, that's me, and I want to come back to Jesus. I want to say yes to him anew. I want to say I'm back. If that's you, would you pray with me? Everybody just take a moment. Believers, pray with us for these new people coming back to Jesus. Father, I've been away, but I want to tell you this morning I'm back. I want to be a part of your forever community, and I want to be with you. I want you to renew your connection with me, and I want to say I'm back, and I want to build this relationship with you afresh and new. If that's you this morning, would you just let me know by slipping your hand up? I just want to celebrate. Thank you, Jesus, for that. That's awesome. Um, I would also like to connect with you. If you said, I'm back this morning, you can simply snap this QR code on the screen or text, I'm back to 94,000. If you're listening to a podcast later on, uh, please make sure that you text, I'm back to 94,000 and let us know. We still want to connect with you. We don't care where you are in the world. We can help build community wherever you are. I am so honored to build a community with real love and real connections. And I hope you become a part of that. Would you pray with me as our amazing executive director makes his way up here? Um, I love that my husband got to be on stage today. That was amazing for me to sit on the front row and watch him. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you hear us. We pray, God, that you would help us to become more like you in this community and help us to be a beacon for Delmarva of what real love and connection can be like. Father, we ask that you would move into our hearts and help us to take off our old self and to put on the new ways of kindness and patience and forgiveness. As you do this, God, we'll be careful to give you all the thanks, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware, at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hope.com 
That's hope, B-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.